This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Grant Collins will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, March 9th. We're recording kind of midday, so the market is still very much in flux, but it has gone up a tick uh, from yesterday. Uh, a lot of the tech sell-off is now tech is looking pretty strong. Uh, NASDAQ was up about 400 uh, points or 3.2% uh, as of now. Uh, we're also looking at the 10-year Treasury, which is down a little bit. Uh, was settling around 1.56, uh, at least in these intertrade hours. Uh, but it's been as high as 1.6 you know, over the last couple of days. A lot of this momentum is based off of obviously the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that recently got passed in the House after amendments were made in the Senate. And that's really where you're seeing a lot of the market movement. We saw the NASDAQ decline more than 10% as of yesterday uh, from its peak on February 12th. A lot of that was the the high-flying tech stocks that everyone talks about. We saw Apple fall 4% yesterday and Tesla six yesterday uh, only to come back and rally so the s p gain or and then excuse me nasdaq gained 3.5 percent tesla was up 10 percent um so overall we're seeing the what we would typically think we'd see with the pass of the stimulus bill we see that uh joe biden president joe biden anticipates that he will sign it this week that i think will, will further fuel the economy mm-hmm. Yeah, you also saw companies like Disney go up yesterday as well. After they launched, they'll be reopening. Uh, but also they've opened a series of their own movie theaters over the last couple of weeks. Um, big, big development we haven't talked about yet is that, you know, we were kind of operating on the assumption that we would have vaccines for every adult by the end of July, uh, the president has now stated that the U.S. will have a vaccine supply for all adults by May. Uh, and they're really prioritizing teachers through this month um, to get, you know, all teachers, especially um, you're looking especially at middle school and high schools where uh, those individuals are more susceptible than the virus than the young children um, in particular. So that will be a big push. Uh, but yes, uh, we can expect that you know, for adults who want them by the end of May, uh, you can get vaccinated. That's huge if we think about uh, economy recovering and, and people going back to way of life before the pandemic, they have built up demand for, for consumer spending. So as the vaccine rolls out, we did see the CDC uh, come out with new guidelines that you no longer have to wear masks if you're in small groups of vaccinated people, which is a move in the right direction. Uh, also, they still stress that people should avoid non-essential travel uh, based on the vaccination status. But to be able to go from July to, to end of May, two-month timeline is, is really important, especially we see, saw that Johnson & Johnson's vaccine was now approved by the FDA. Uh, we saw big increases in the seven-day average of daily vaccinations from 2.2 million. Uh, and then a record setting last Saturday of 2.9 million doses were administered. So uh, we're starting to see those daily vaccinations also increase. Yeah, we also should be talking about strong February job numbers. Um, the economy has added 
379,000 jobs, which was quite a bit more than the 210,000 uh, expected with the big bulk work of them being in leisure and hospitality, which of course, you know, in the beginning of this pandemic was the sector that was been hardest hit. And then economists are also saying that it might not be, you know, out of the ordinary to see multiple months of uh, job growth, you know, at around half a million. And strategists expect the economy could grow about 6% this year, which is helped by the vaccines that we just talked about. And then the fiscal stimulus as well as reopening. Uh, if we think about the job numbers, some economists say that there might be a chance that we could see growth months of uh, 500,000, which would be a significant increase. Uh, the, the strength in the jobs numbers does bring up a debate about whether this new 1.9 trillion stimulus package is, is still needed. Uh, I, I believe that it is because we're, we're still seeing uh, the leisure and hospitalities are, are still not where they were pre-pandemic um, and the employment field is still down 3.5 million uh, over the year from last year, which is still a significant number of jobs. Yeah, the one thing about the bill is that um, there's, you know, things that are more than just this, the economic recovery and the pandemic. A lot of it was structural. Uh, we can see that in COBRA extensions, um, whereas, you know, people would typically have to pay when uninsured, when, when out of job, you know, what, what the employer would normally cover, uh, which is obviously a huge, huge source of either, you know, um, people leaving their health insurance or becoming very cash strapped financially. So that was a big thing. We also are seeing increased uh, child tax credits. Uh, obviously, the big item that didn't get in was the $15 minimum wage that was due to uh, the parliamentarian said you couldn't do in budget reconciliation. Uh, but also, there were eight Democratic senators who voted no. Uh, Kristen Cinema being the most dramatic, doing a little curtsy and uh, thumbs down, uh, much to the uh, delight and anger of the of all those on Twitter. But and we did see in January uh, that 4.3 million Americans have left the labor force uh, since a year ago, which is still significant if we think about how unemployment is calculated. And we do see strong fiscal support and continued progress in the vaccinations. Uh, so we are going to continue to see the U.S. economy grow. We saw the Atlanta Federal Reserve, which tracks the data for gross domestic product in real time, indicates the first quarter of this year could be a 10% gain, which would be very significant if we think about where we are. Uh, but there are constant conversations about inflation. Drew, is the U.S. economy on fire or going to be on fire? Well, from the report the other Friday, it showed that personal income surged 10% in January, it's largely due to the $600 stimulus checks. Um, on top of that, uh, a lot of individuals, not not as many as before uh, in the prior stimulus checks, but a lot of individuals will be getting another $1,400. Uh, so you've actually seen household wealth increase, you know, $2 trillion in the month. Um, but you know, we haven't seen a lot of increased spending out of that, just 2.4%. Uh, so a lot of it has gone into savings, of course. Um, but I don't know. I mean, our the economy was so decimated. You know, I think when these guys kind of in our relative age group, it's just reticent to think about inflation because that's kind of like your pop story, right? <laughs> the 70s and 80s. And then we just haven't seen much of it. 
Um, not not saying that it won't be the case, uh, but I mean it, it is definitely a contentious and you know heated debate. Um, you, you know, I, I do think we have a long ways to go uh, for the economy to overheat. I know talks of there, there's there's also talks of um, you know maybe a two to four trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Now, whether that goes through budget reconciliation or whether that goes through regular means uh, is is going to be debated. Um, be tough to get through regular means. Then maybe it goes through budget reconciliation after that. Uh, but that that is an item that would obviously add a lot more fuel to the fire. So we have to look at the legislation pipeline to see you know what's on deck. Uh, we know that this current administration wants a big infrastructure bill. What is that going to mean for demand, and what is that going to mean for such a you know another massive influx of spending? And we have seen, as you mentioned, a huge built up of demand. So uh, people are not traveling, people are spending less, people are not going out. Uh, so we have seen savings increase, and we could see a huge spending spree uh, on leisure and hospitality in Q2 as things begin to open up and vaccines continue to grow. Don't be surprised if by mid-year we continue to see that 9% growth rate because uh, the U.S. economy is, is, is opening up stronger. One interesting thing I, I did see is that uh, just because people haven't taken vacations and they've missed four means they're going to take one. So there might not be the huge increase uh, in travel and, and uh, vacations that people are anticipating this summer. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, hadn't thought of that. I mean, we already touched briefly on the bill um, in regards to, you know, the the eligibility, but we should also mention, you know, weekly unemployment benefits were a big part of this. Jobless Americans are going to get a smaller weekly boost on employment benefits, but they're going to receive those payments over another month. And that was a big part of the bill, too. So, yeah, I think the the extension does make sense for the for this little bit smaller of a payout. Uh, that way, more Americans will be able to have that benefit for a longer period of time, extending it out just a little bit longer um, because an estimated 12 million uh, and 4.6 chil children would be eligible for the third stimulus payment, uh, which is interesting as they negotiated the eligibility of the 1400 stimulus payments because that was also a topic of debate to get that passed as well. Yeah, that was an odd one. Um... I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that you have a 50-50 split. Joe Manchin is functionally the prime minister of the United States. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and I don't know, I mean, I don't remember the exact dollar figures out of this $1.9 trillion, but but I, I want to say off the cuff, it was like another $12 billion. Would it be to cover all the adults that were covered under Trump stimulus checks? Uh, and at the end of the day, that got thrown out because they wanted more targeting. Politically, I think that's interesting for Democrats to do, uh, that they're giving checks to a less, a smaller percentage of the population than the previous administration. Um, and I don't know whether that is just trying to keep in, con you know, the spirit of bipartisanship or giving something away. I'm not really sure, but that limiting eligibility uh, was, was, was clearly an interesting move. And you're, you're exactly right. It was 12 billion off 1.9 trillion. Right. So what is that? Less than, less than 1% maybe. Right. <laughs> um, so it's really considering where the amount of spending that we've done over the last 18 months, it seems 
uh, to take a stand on 12 billion now seems <laughs> right in something that's going to be universally popular. No yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> so it seems a little bit interesting that that was a, a big debate there. Um, and I do think it is important to extend that the $300 unemployment benefits until September, especially if we think about more things reopening and everyone being vaccinated by May, that gives us a little bit more of a lag time to get people back into the workforce, which I do think is is important because some of the numbers of the people who have left the workforce is, is pretty staggering as well, because um, it looks like we are down about 10 million jobs. So being able to uh, get people off the sidelines, also the people who haven't been in work for a while so they don't completely deplete their savings is, is really important for, for Americans. We, we should know regards to the trade deficit that actually has increased uh, the numbers for January came out. Um, the trade gap rose 1.9% to $68.2 billion in January, according to the Commerce Department. So, I mean, a lot of that is, you know, we're, we're seeing some more imports, gross imports advance 1.6% to $221.1 billion, which is the highest on record. Um, you know, boosted by, you know, checks and also opening up of supply lines and, and everything else. Yeah, consumer spending uh, in January increased the most in the last seven months, since the last seven months. Not really a surprise that the trade deficit continues to grow. Imports is the main driver there. To change gears, one thing that has uh, <laughs> been close to me uh, as I'm applying for my first mortgage here is uh, we saw interest rates spike last week, uh, fast pace in over a year. Really uh, not the best benchmark, but a benchmark to look at mortgage rates is the 10-year treasury. A lot associates to that. Um, so we did see mortgage applications to purchase a home increase by 2%, uh, just 1% higher than last year. And that has been uh, lower than the average week uh, since over the last year. Um, so considering we are seeing rates so low, that has spurred a, a demand for, for homeowners or people to become homeowners. And we're, we are continuing to see that uh, demand is struggling to, or supply is really not being able to meet the demand with low rates and, and people trying to maybe move from metropolitan cities to other areas as well. Yeah, and on top of that, um, I mean, you've seen the refinancing share mortgage activity decrease as a result that went down to 67.5% of total applications and, uh, you know, prior it had been 68.5%. Uh, so yeah, uh, the housing market's going to be a big thing. Um, but well, everyone already refinanced who wanted to find Right, it. right. So. Uh, Last fall, mortgage rates were 100 basis points lower compared to the year before, which is very significant if you're thinking about a mortgage. I mean, when you're looking at uh, Matthew Graman, who's COO of Mortgage News Daily, I mean, he stated in the past two decades, there have been six months where mortgage rates rose at least 50 basis points. February 2021 was one of them. In other words, it is a really bad month for rates. So bad, in fact, that there is has increasingly made sense to look for some relief simply because things don't tend to stay that bad for that long. So yeah, definitely something to look at, but uh, interesting time to be buying a house. Should throw out that uh, your boy Grant Collins is also getting married. So <laughs> for all the fans out there, you know, this sultry voice will be off the market. Uh, <laughs> big so, couple of months. Yeah, big couple of months. Um, yeah, that's really, I think, all I got for today. Should we look at what we might have overlooked this week, Grant? 
one big thing is we did see oil soar after there was attack on a Saudi Aramco facility. Crude oil shot above $70 a barrel for the first time in more than a year. Uh, a drone strike took aim at a uh, petroleum storage tank. Uh, this is, I think, going to be very significant because I think this is the second attack on uh, a Saudi oil uh, plant in the last two years, call it, especially Saudi Aramco now that they're public. This could increase tensions in the Middle East, uh, and especially during oil. Um, and we did see the, the shutdowns in Texas with the, with the cold spell as well. So that, that's one thing. We could see oil prices continue to rise. Uh, one other thing is we did see that American Airlines uh, plans to borrow $7.5 against its frequent flyer program to pay down their uh, federal rescue loan that they took out. Um, so that's uh, interesting to see how airline companies are using their frequent flyer programs to uh, come out from under the debt that they received uh, from their, uh, I don't wanna call it a bailout, but from their, uh, their financial aid. Yeah, one thing I'll mention if we wanna keep it international is we recently threw some new sanctions at the Russians. Last Tuesday, you saw you know, the Russian Minister of Foreign Affairs said that it was counterproductive and that it would retaliate. Uh, there's a lot to make out of it. Obviously, the fact that, you know, you have the opposition leader, Alexei, um, suspected poisoning that hasn't increased goodwill, you know, what happened to Navalny. But, uh, I mean, what you're, you're seeing is Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said this is a clear signal to the Russians. However, when you're looking at how this is actually, what these sanctions have actually done. Uh, you're looking at Timothy Ash, who's a senior emerging market strategist at Blue Bay Asset Management, called the sanctions a joke, said, and he cited a rally in the Russian ruble, stating that the market thought it was softer than they might have been otherwise. So, so yeah, that's all we have for this week, folks. Thanks for subscribing, and we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.